0: I'm going to talk some more today about being a person. It's an ongoing project of mine. <laughs> so far, <laughs> unfinished and probably unfinishable. <laughs> Since it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, well, the pieces in it are constantly shifting. But that's that's practice. It's you. you <laughs> that's what. That's the that's the workshop, mm, where wisdom and compassion arise, <laughs> and uh, one's attention is massaged, and one's heart is massaged. <laughs> mm, and things are laid down. Things are cleared. Mm. Yeah. Of course, you know, any reasonable teacher will tell you a person is just a mythology, you know, it's just a construction, not a real entity at all, and that's entirely true. And yet, most of their lives surely are about getting by, you know. You know, it's, it's yes, nirvana and all that, but most of their lives are about where we live and... Uh, uh, people we are with and our jobs, our occupations and a state of health, okay, location yeah. which brings all kinds of things in that you're somehow involved with it could be your apartment, your street, your town, your country. Mm. You've got uh, people relatives, partner, you know, living with or associated with, group, ones and twos, you know, that, uh, you know, you feel they're there for friendship, learning, cooperation, very important features, Mm. occupation. An occupation I mean, one think of it is just to get some wages so you can get your requisites together to live but actually yeah it's more than that I have occupation I'm not getting any money out of it a sense of purpose you know I think where you have a natural feeling of yeah something to do yeah uh, one wants to feel perhaps one is gone through this experience of being in a body, having done something that's of benefit, for perhaps for other people, or for the world in general, or for one person. A sense of purpose. You know, if I'm going to do something, I'd like to do it well, I'd like to do something that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. I think we need that. Mm-hmm. This is my occupation. And, of course, um, health. Bodily health, mental health, it can be a big topic, you have chronic disabilities or infirmities, and of course this COVID thing happening now, and health can be a massive experience, can't it, when you feel sick, you know, or you're hard of hearing, or you have chronic digestive complaint, you've always got to cope with, manage, get by with ask for allowances from other people, i sorry I can't do this because I've had chronic fatigue syndrome or I have allergies or I'm, you know, definitely, definitely this is something we have to meet and all these in a way become the topic of the person that we live, who we're, who we're associated with, what we do and uh, health. If you look at health more thoroughly, say is your mind sour? Is it bright? Mental health, not just with your, you know, mentally disabled, but actually, what's your emotional state? Is it healthy? Or is it soured or guilty, regretful? this very much colours everything, doesn't it? So these are reference points for the person. Not really a person, but they're reference points that definitely, you know, become personal. (laughs) It's my health. (laughs) Nobody else's. (laughs) My toothache. (laughs) So it may just be an Icha Dukanata to you. Infirmant condition, but it sure feels like me. <laughs> uh, so naturally, you know, we say, "Well, what's really <laughs> needed is to develop a kind of relational sense to all these to these experiences." You know, we can't really, you know, have them. Say, so just totally good health and fantastic place and really great friends all the time. We can't necessarily have them, but we these are areas we are something is constantly negotiating. How am I with her? You know, I don't want to be in difficult times with her. What's going on? You know. Um, so these are definitely the relational experiences that become you know, our, our day-to-day concern, and um, you know, there has to be a relationship because there, if there isn't accurate relationship, don't relationship then definitely a person gets formed out of that. A stuck person. A person stuck by their health. Stuck with their defective relationships. You know, trapped in their work. Mm, stuck in their house or the neighbourhood. Or stuck without a house or the neighbourhood. Mm. So, you know, relationships. Is to how does one maintain that sense of that an inner, should I? Inner, it's just another reference, a sense of a stability that's disengaged but not closed. It's not like dissociated, it's just it's not expecting and it's not um, knocked around or spun out in the relational domain. And this is the fundamental human experience. Now, I may seem to be talking in worldly terms, but this is the experience of consciousness. The very structure of our experience means that there's consciousness coming through the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body, and of course, the mind. Yeah, there's consciousness arising, and it's arising. Bringing form, or its arising dependent on form. So when we see something, we hear something. Yeah, it's definitely that's whether it's you know sublime or profane, and there's various mental defining qualities that go on with that: feeling things, interesting things, pushing things away, stirred up by things. Getting meanings and interpretations is called nama, nama rupa vijnana. Nama is all the mental constructions. Rupa is the form. Consciousness is just very passive. There you are. There's a sight. There's a sound. Yeah, yeah. And chitta in all this is kind of weaving around, saying, "Let's go to another channel. I didn't like sight very much. Isn't very good. Let's go to the hearing channel." Well, nothing much happening let's go to the mental channel because that's always available you know, start doodling fantasizing worrying you know. yeah so it's always the jitter's ability to lift and disengage first which distance is engaging and hopping between different modes of consciousness right but in its search is for you know where do i get the stable and the comfortable and what it has to learn it's not through a blind attachment to these experienced forms that arise, sights, sounds, thoughts, or any concoctions of them, but through a skillful relationship with them. Most of our life, of course, is, is mental, isn't it? Our world, what we plan for, what we remember, what we take home with us, what we we wake up with and about arises within the first few seconds oh it's Friday oh my goodness it's Friday I've got to do this that and the other oh it's somebody's birthday lovely day you know it's all psychological and emotional is our predominant uh, fabricator of our world based upon sights and sounds and so forth um, and you know with that it can be this sense of Like a a compulsive relationship, which means just you—you want it, you resist it, you don't want it. Yeah, it's a very simplistic compulsive relationship of favoring and opposing because of the nature of feeling. We favor the pleasant, we oppose the unpleasant. Is that? Oh no! Oh no! Oh really? Do I have to? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, it'd be great. Let's have some more of those. Or plan this. This generating feeling based upon mental imaginations. And there's this compulsive planning and weaving of all that. Uh, Again, the mind gets very, very busy concocting, trying to concoct a stable, comfortable scenario. You think, well, Sounds like that's what we should be doing. But, of course, as you learn after a while, all that trying to concoct a stable, comfortable scenario makes you pretty stressful and disappointed and sometimes heartbroken and irritated because you don't find it. And first noble truth. But, yeah, it's not you're not that far away from it really. It's just the compulsiveness of that search for stability and search for comfort means one actually goes in the wrong direction. You go out, the mind creates something out. And uh, the teaching here is rather than create anything, could you just go back to stabilizing your attention? You know, disengage. Stabilize your attention. Relax some of that drive. Mm-hmm. How's that? So, oh, this is more stable. It's not in the data of sense consciousness, but in the more subtle data, if you like, of the chitta, of the heart. And, you know, what, what I mean by that, I mean the data of the heart is pretty abstract. There's some things like, like a sense of kindness, a sense of respect, a sense of integrity, a sense of uh, resilience, uh, forgiveness. These are not external data. These are are realities and uh, when we run out we drop, the mind drops all that, hearing <laughs> the running out the compulsive running out the mind leaves the places where it could be stable and all these heart realities are relational. So if you have morality, it's not just an abstract principle. It means you don't kill that bug. Yeah? Right? It means your relationship to that creature is one of harmlessness. So the chitter realities on this level are relational realities. So we are, um, we have a sense of virtue, we have a sense of uh, Good will towards others. We have a sense of um, integrity. We have a sense of respect. Establishing, you know, jitta qualities to guide. And you know, the world is still very complicated, so it's very useful just to kind of meditate, or if you like, just place. In, in terms of relating to, say, I so four basic things. First thing is, um, so, well, it doesn't really matter which order you do it in, but just very important, how's your relationship with the experience of your body? Not, say, what it appears, age, but just the felt feeling of that. Can you have a sense of respect and response? You know towards this feeling of embodiment. This could be a fundamental practice. Living with a body. With, you know, one could wish it to be stronger, fitter, more lively, but this is what we have. Is that something you can purify relationship with? So you want to stay open, stable, it's not like this, it's like this. Much better than comparing it with what it should be, could be, other people's are, what people think of it. Much better just this develop a direct, respectful response. And you can practice that. So, and it really helps because it's a very direct and um, ever-present meditation object. You walk with it. Can you practice so that when you go somewhere, you, you, you move there with your body? <laughs> so it's not your mind jumps into the kitchen, but you go to the kitchen, but you've got to carry a body along all the way to get there. Right? So it's not just head runs into the kitchen, but to get there, you've got to actually take 15 steps or however many it Could you just be with each one of those? Not necessarily slowly but just until you get there you'll get there you know if you keep heading the right direction i'm mean, sure you know your own living court you know living place it's down there turn left through the door isn't it <laughs> so so you just kind of get you don't have to turn it to just take let your body aim in that direction take you there and you get there with a the feeling of you haven't lost Your presence. So it's a great meditation teacher because it keeps reining in the compulsive running on of the mind. Um, Another very helpful one is because it gives you accurate sensitivity, here and now accurate sensitivity, and the mind by itself only has imagination. It doesn't have accurate sensitivity, just this imagination. It says things are going fast or slow. What does that mean? What, how slow is slow? How far? That's a mental state, <laughs> right? So you're actually getting a, a realistic reference without this and it is still it's extremely uh common for people to constantly be running on abstract time clock time you know, so the body's just left behind and people just and that's the beginning if you like of the whole dissociation loss experience you're running out of their bodies and this is mine is then it Mental proliferations take over, and and very very injurious for one's health in the long run. You know, because for start you generally have to put some stimulants in it to get it going, and then of course the things to relax you, and then the various medications that are necessary to keep adjusting the chemistry. Another really helpful one is to be with nature. Learn to relate to nature. This gives us humility. You know, it's like being a human being is not the only thing in in the cosmos. I mean, we act like it. Like there's only us. and The rest of it is just food. food. Food and timber and stuff we can use. You know, that's not a relationship. That's not a relationship. Not a healthy relationship, is it? Hmm? So in nature she tells you there are other other forms of intelligence here. You know, it's not that you're the best. Uh, you know, it's a different kind of intelligence intelligence of a wolf, or the intelligence of an apple tree that knows when to bud and how to grow fruit, and how to survive through winter. Without central heating or anything. That's trees have their own intelligence. It's no better or worse than yours, it's just different. So, this gives you a sense of, then it tells you, oh, this is a human being. You don't know what a human being is unless you see it in a context. Like, you know, how fast we are compared with trees, how Many, many ideas we have compared with a, a pigeon. <laughs> and it's, so there's a sense of mystery and humility. And uh, we're living in a shared planet. Can we be respectful of that? Other creatures are, have as much right to be here and probably in terms of the planet are more useful than we are. I think a strand of sea kelp, or one bee, or an earthworm, is more useful to this planet than I am. (laughs) So it's good to get it in perspective. Can we have some respect? You know, quell some of our demands... course it's always, um, you know, these things remind us of another very important thing to relate to is the sense of the sacred which could be what you find sacred, your values something that transcends circumstance, values You know, I remain honest no matter what and of course the supreme Value is, I imagine, for many of us, is the Buddha, what the Buddha signifies. You know, so we just keep remembering, relate to that, with a sense of, hey, this is this is the lamp. This is the guideline. This is the guide. You know, it's not asking anything of you. Just place that in your awareness. And Just keep it simple, but just place that in your awareness. See what it does. So in these relationships, means you're not adding anything more to it, but just placing it there and letting it have its own effect. So a lot of our relational sense is just to learn to keep this end of it, the me end of it, a little bit quieter <laughs> you know the me the me bit of it just quieten down and listen up to what the body's about to what the nature's about to what the buddha's about and the fourth one is other people just just quiet down just listen up to other people before you start naming and judging and opinionating and just another person Hmm, what's that? Independent of my favouring and opposing, of my judging and classifying, of my opinions and views, listen up, respect, and respond. Because none of us can live alone. We all came through somebody else's body, got born through the labours of several people and so on and so on and so on, and we die other people will bury us so we don't live alone, could we actually just quiet down open your attention, stabilise the chitta. learn directly, and that just from being in the presence of and noticing what arises in the mind. What's stimulated? What attitudes? And is any other kind of meditation? Yes, you have the form, and then what arises? The various mood swings, whatever, and you just uh huh. Holding the form, breathing in and out, body awareness, whatever it is, just that which provides that stable, restful, open state. Mm -hmm. Let stuff move through. Learn. Learn what is to be um, seen as suffering. As changeable, as not worth involving yourself with. It will pass. It will pass. This is how you become a person. I mean, not a person, but a, a stable chitta. And then this is usually in the way it's a workshop. Yeah. Your own body, natural world of other creatures, uh, the world of values, um, human beings. Mm. They all teach you something. You you learn. Mm. And then you can begin to, with that, to address your life with its occupation and its health conditions and your personal relationships and your place where you live the same sense of respectful responsiveness because you've begun to distill that quality in your meditations and in these, using these relational forms, you begin to distill what comes out of it in the end. There's the, the like, the dislike, the agitation, the uncertainties, and eventually the only thing that fits is just uh-huh, respectful, <laughs> stable awareness and looking for a response that would be, you yeah, know, that's the, that's the right response. That's the one that doesn't cause any regret and isn't forceful. And you notice when your intention gets strident, no, that's not it, it's pushing too hard, doesn't feel right. When your attention becomes fixated, narrow, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. And how do you know that? Because your primary thing is, first of all, getting embodied. Once you get embodied, then you can really sense the energies of intentionality so when your intentions get demanding and forceful and pushy you can, you can feel yourself tightening up and when your attention gets narrow and contracted you can feel that and, hey you come back to this so that's your fundamental you know meditation tool is this embodied awareness another thing you bear in mind is the quality of openness means actually there are many potentials. The disengaged quality means there are many possibilities. Yeah. So if you're finding yourself in situations where you you've only got one possibility, something's gone wrong. Something. Hmm. Now maybe within the realm of possibility, that's the one that feels right. That's a chosen sense of you know, narrowing down in a chosen way. But when you get trapped is when you get that sense of I've got to have this otherwise. You know, it, 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 it's not a choice, it's a, it's a fixation. So you just contemplate some of these things. Like when you're getting into your, your work, you have a feeling you've got to get this done by then you've lost balance you know, if you're with I've got to find the right person then, wait a minute the right person rises when you're in the right place you'll get that Kalyanamita quality you begin to sense it Hmm. so it's disengaged stability, stable openness is the reference point and although naturally, you know, when we meditate, it's nice just to be able to just go to that and let all these forms move and fade and dissolve. The reality of it also is that we have to work with forms and without wishing them go away. We have to live in a world of people without seeing them just as impersonal phenomena rolling on. <laughs> we have to live, we have to occupy ourselves with something without feeling it's just a waste of time or restless activity. You know? So there has to be a purification, not just in terms of something where cessation or apparent cessation occurs, but in the presence of conditions and i think to me this is a much more testing you yeah. know it may be you know you may have been on retreats where as you probably know you get a retreat and you do the long retreat and you think, oh, this is really it you know wow oh, i see it all it's clear space and as i say okay if you feel you get it all sorted out Go and live with your parents for a while. That'll, that'll, that'll be a good test. <laughs> 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 it sure does. Because you know, you're on this kind of high lofty plane of ultimate truth. And you've got to deal with people who are not on that same level. And then you can get so frustrated or annoyed or you know judgmental or you know, look, you know. Put some conditions in in that state and see what happens. That's 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 the test, isn't it? Walk it down the street. Walk your enlightenment down the street and see what happens to it. <laughs> if it crumbles by the time you got to the first corner of the block, it wasn't worth much, was it? <laughs> so we yeah, had to say, well, let's make some of these things. You know, one of our testing points. Yeah. Because so if I walk down the street, I'm going to have a sense of, got to get somewhere. Oh, what's that? I walk down the street, I say, Oh, look, look at that, look at that, look, what's that? I'm going to be aware of the traffic? Sure. Do I have to go put my head into every store window? No, I don't think so. So that sense of you know, constantly guiding. Yeah, and we're in a realm of people. Everyone ever sense, okay, she's like this, he's like that. How's that with me? Do I have to tangle with it? Measure it, compare it, defend myself from it? And I maintain that stable, open state where there are many possibilities and the possibility that one will choose will be that which brings around harmony and this is the the master game, isn't it? A person who lives in harmony as the Buddha himself said, you know I find no fault with the world it's the world finds fault with me. Because the one is freed from conceiving. Freed from conceiving. The tides of concepts and ideas does not wash them away. They're one who has no who finds no fault with the world, finds no flaws. Mm. And so then, living in the world without getting in, lost in worldly ways, highest blessing. So I'll pause there at this time. Probably enough few ideas you may have found useful. I hope so. And just even spending time Reflecting, thinking things through and spending time in a, a virtual company, um, I think, is, is, uh, has purpose to it and meaning to it. So may we all be well.